and I would invite you, if you have your Bibles with you, to open to the Gospel of John, Gospel of John, chapter 21, when we are reading verses 1 to 14. This is part one. We will continue with part two this evening. So I would invite you to also come this evening to the worship of God. I think it was told, you were told that I was going to preach in German, but that's not true. I'm going to preach in English this evening, so no reason not to come. It will be, I hope, understandable for both those who speak German and those who speak English. Um, before I read, I would like to invite you to pray for us in Berlin. Two specific prayer requests. One would be if you could pray for our finances. There are a lot of things we have to consider. We're trying to, to have an intern starting next summer who needs to be paid and other costs. And then the second one is we're looking into renting a new meeting place on Sunday mornings and evenings, and it's from the French church, which used to be the Huguenots, so who flew from France during persecution in the Reformation times, and they have an empty space they're not using since the beginning of this year, and we hope we'll be able to rent it and to continue to have reformed Bible preaching worship there, hopefully October or November just if you want to keep us in prayer. Then let's read the Word of God. Um, John chapter 21, 1 to 14. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boats, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Though they cast it, and no, they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped to work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Simon Peter went aboard. Oh, sorry. That's it. Then let's pray before we come 
to the sermon. Oh, Heavenly Father, all men are like grass, and the glory of man is like the flower of the grass. The grass has withers and the flower falls, but your word remains forever. And so we pray, Heavenly Father, that you, this morning, by your Holy Spirit, will enlighten us with your everlasting word. We pray that you will preach in our hearts that sermon that each of us has to hear this morning. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are just a few places that really feel like home. Just a few places where you can go and you just feel comfortable. Home sweet home. Home is the place where you know everything. You know exactly where to find what. You know how things work. You have arranged everything in a way that you feel comfortable. And John tells us here an event that begins in a place that these disciples would have called home. It's the, the Sea Tiberias, or as we also know it, the Sea of Galilee. It's a place where Peter and John and the other disciples grew up. It's the place where they maybe went to school. It's the place where they went to the synagogue every Sabbath day. It's the place where they learned their trade, fishing. And they learned in the business of their dad. They knew the sea in and out. It was their home. And so they returned to this place. It's like coming home after three years of wandering through Israel. Three years of being on the road with Jesus, not knowing what's coming tomorrow, not knowing where to sleep at night. Jesus himself said he has no place where he lays his hat. And so now they're finally back in the homeland. And so Peter had this brilliant idea, let's go fishing. Because that's what they knew. And as they were sitting there, not knowing what to do, not knowing what's coming next, why not use the time to do what you used to do? Passing the time, maybe. Jesus had, or Jesus told them that he wants to meet them in Galilee. So maybe they were there waiting for him to come waiting for him to meet them. In Mark 14, we read, but after my resurrection, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And it doesn't really matter why the disciples are on the lake fishing, because Jesus uses this situation to teach them an important lesson in life. And that's what we're going to look at today. The title of the sermon is Discipleship, Part 1, An Important Foundation, An Important Foundation. And the first thing we will look at is our limitations, our limitations. So the first point is called our strength or our power. Now, if you, if you read about these disciples fishing, you often read criticism, some, some commentary says, well, they forgot their mission. 
They were called to be fishers of man, and now they're back on the lake fishing for fish. Hadn't Jesus told them to go into the world? Instead, they went back into their old life. But I don't think this criticism is correct. Partially, it might. But if we read this passage, we don't see any criticism of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even the passage we look at this evening is not a criticism of the disciples. We even see that Jesus helps his disciples in what they are doing. He is, he is supporting them. And I don't think that the disciples return to their old profession because they thought there's no hope left. They already saw the resurrected Christ. They knew that he is alive. But there was a time they had to use. And why not fishing? Maybe to earn some money for living. Because Jesus said the life that's coming is harder than the life you had. He said, pack your sword. Take your wallet. Because you will be attacked. You will have a hard life. And I don't think we have to criticize the disciples to understand the principle we can learn from these men. You see, Jesus tells us about seven men who go into the boat to cast the nets. And then Jesus, uh, John tells us, in this night they caught nothing. Nothing. There were seven experts, seven men who for the most of their life did nothing else than fishing in exactly that sea. It's like they knew every stone in the sea, like they knew the fish by name. And still they weren't able to court fish. And they did everything that was right. They went at night because that's when you go fishing. That's when you have the best chance to get fish. It's quiet. It's dark. I was told the fish don't see the net and so they're easier to be caught But this night, these seven experts didn't catch a single fish. I think right here we see the important principle for us in our life. The knowledge of the disciples alone was not enough. It was not enough to be successful. The strength of the seven men and the wisdom of the seven men didn't lead them to success. It was not the strength they needed. Something was missing. I don't think Peter was bored and said, well, I can't sleep tonight, so let's go fishing. He went fishing during the night because he knew that was the right thing to do. That was the special knowledge he had about his trait. But although he had all his expertise they couldn't catch anything I think that's the important principle we can learn our own wisdom 
our own strength, our own knowledge, everything we learn and teach and get taught doesn't guarantee for success. John shows us that the most experienced men were not successful this night. I think we learn above all a lesson for our service in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the kingdom of God. Maybe you are very gifted. You have talents that no one else in this congregation has. Maybe you know your Bible in and out. But just because we know these things, because we can do these things, because we are smart, it does not mean that we are therefore better or more effective in the kingdom of God. That we can do better churches because we have certain skills or more successful churches that we can fill the, pul- the, the, the pews because we know how to do that doesn't necessarily mean that we really grow faster. Maybe outwardly. And that's our problem because we learn from childhood on that we can do things. We can overcome burdens. We can build stuff. We are able to build the church. We're trained in that way. If we have the right system in place, we, we might have to tweak traditions a little bit because we live in a different time, but if we know what to do, we can be better. If our pastors just would be more skilled in preaching, and, 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 and knew the people better, then we could be the biggest church in Stuttgart. That's, that's our natural thinking, because that's how, how the economy works. We need certain systems and principles, and then a company is successful, and it grows. But in discipleship, we learn that our own strength and knowledge are not enough to be successful. If we even want to use the term successful, which I think is dangerous if we talk about the kingdom of God. But that's not true. The disciples knew everything and they were not successful in fishing. They didn't caught any fish. Paul uh, Paul himself says later in, 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 in 1 Corinthians that he didn't want to use all the methods, all the skills of the philosophers and entertainers of his time. He was a top-trained theologian. He went through the best school he could ever visit in Israel. But he denied all the skills he had learned just to preach Christ and him crucified. And then Paul says, the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. And thereby he means the power of God, the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God doesn't go forth because we are skillful, but because Christ, our head, is powerful. So the first lesson we learned this morning is that our skills, our strength, our knowledge doesn't 
help us on its own. And our second lesson we learn is that we need God's power, God's strength. And that's the second heading this morning, Christ's word. Christ's word. You see, there are seven disciples in one boat paddling home, and they have nothing. And as they go back and see to the shore, there's a man standing there. John tells us that it's Jesus. We knew who he is, uh, but the disciples didn't. They were only 200 cubits, barely 100 meters away from the shore, and they didn't recognize this man. And we wonder why. There might be several reasons. There might just be mist and fog over the water in the morning, so they couldn't really see who's there. It might be that they just didn't expect that Jesus at the sea in the morning, and so they didn't really watch who is there. But he begins talking to his disciples, and he says, children, have you nothing to eat? And maybe they thought, well, that's a success, huh? We went fishing, and then we can't even sell this man one fish. So it was all for nothing. And so they have to answer no. They have nothing. But then the story gets, gets interesting because Jesus tells them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find. And we know a similar situation from the Gospels. When Peter was called, there was a similar situation. Jesus did the same once before. He, Peter fished the whole night and he didn't caught anything and Jesus went into his boat to preach and after he finished preaching, he said to Peter, now cast out your nets. And then Peter caught so many fish that he couldn't get them in. And now the, we see the disciples casting the net again and they couldn't pull it in because of the multitude of fish. Now that's a great story, isn't it? But there's a question I asked my, myself when I read this passage. Why did they listen to this man? who they did not recognize. Why did they listen? I mean, they were the experts, and he was just a man standing at the sea. I think they, they, they didn't change their, their approach. They would have cast it out as they would have done it every time. Why did they suddenly listen to this man they did not know? Maybe there was a little hope that the miracle from three years ago will repeat itself. Maybe there was this familiarity in his voice that they thought, there's something about this man we recognize. And maybe there was some hope that it was really Jesus standing there. The way he approached them, the way he asked, the way he gave the order, Maybe there was something that made them throw the net out again. And no matter why they did what they do, no matter why they, they throw the net out, 
we learn a very, very important principle. Because we have already seen that if we trust in our skills and knowledge, that doesn't guarantee for success. But here, they trust in Christ's word, and they do what he's saying, and it is successful. More than they expected. John tells us that there were over 153 big fish I don't know what that means. I don't know how big fishes back then were. But it seemed to be an impressive number, so he recorded it. And the principle we learn is that the kingdom of God is not about what we can do, but it's about listening to the word of God and doing accordingly. Doing what Christ is saying. Doing what God revealed to us. Jesus had told them already that without him they can do nothing. And here they see a practical lesson about this teaching. Without Jesus, they weren't able to even catch a fish. And now they learned that when they trust Jesus and they listen to his words, it works. It's important to understand that because there's an important link or connection that we often miss. We often can read the Word of God and think, well, that's a great principle, and that's good. And then we do something else. But it's the Word of God, and God Himself connected His blessing to His Word. So if we as a church want to see the blessing of God in our life and the life of the church, we need the Word of God because there is the blessing. If we trust in what God has said, we will receive the blessing He has promised. might not be tomorrow or next week or next year, but there is the blessing connected to the Word of God. And there's another principle we we can learn that is important. If you would have been a fisherman in this boat, you might have thought to yourself, I don't cast out the net again, because it makes no sense. It's against everything I've learned. It's against everything I know about fishing. Why should I do that? But they do, even though it looks like it's a bad idea. And it works. They caught fish. And the principle is that we even have to follow the word of God if it looks like it doesn't work. If it looks like it's against everything society tells us. If it contradicts what we learn in school. If it contradicts what our neighbors are doing. We ought to follow the word of God because the blessing is in faithfulness. If God says something clearly in his word, then let's just do it. And don't argue with it. Don't discuss about it. If the principles of the Bible are contrary to the world, choose the truth of God. It's always the better choice. 
The temptation is great to build the church or to build our lives on principles of this world because short-term, they work. We see that. We see startups who, who explode in just a few years and get sold for millions of dollars and then the next startup comes. And it's so tempting to work in the same way, to use the same principles, to, to just to see more people on a Sunday in this pews. Wouldn't that be great? To have this church building packed on Sundays, that would be a blessing, wouldn't it? It would, if they come because they want to hear the Word of God, because they are keen to participate in the means of grace. But the church is not built that way as the companies of this world are built. Many of our skills and much of our knowledge can be used and should be used. I don't say forget what you have learned. That's important. But first of all, we must listen to Christ and what he says in his word. We don't build the church on what we can do or how skilled we are. We build the church on the foundation Christ set himself. And that is in his word. And so the disciples have listened to Christ. And they see the multitude of fish in their nets. And, and they're, they're in the middle of getting it back into the boat. And in this moment, John leans over to Peter and says, You know who is there? It's our Lord. And then in this moment, there's nothing that holds Peter back in this boat. And that brings us to the third point this morning, to our third heading, Christ's communion. Christ's communion. Peter couldn't wait to be at the shore. It was just 100 meters. He could have helped his friends. They could have bring the boat back together. But he took his garments, he threw it over, and he starts running through the water to be with Jesus. There was nothing that could hold Peter back to be with his Lord. And there at the shore is Jesus waiting for them. We read, when they had come ashore, they saw a fire of coals on the ground and a fish lying on it and bread. When the disciples came to the land, they see that Jesus had prepared everything, everything they needed this morning. And then he says, bring some more fish that we can grill this, them as well. But Jesus, Jesus prepared everything for this breakfast with his disciples. They just had the experience that they can trust their Lord and Savior, and now they have one of the best things in this life, fellowship with him. They are with him at the fire. There is no teaching of Jesus. There is no exhortation of Jesus there's just Jesus being with them, resting and talking. Jesus invites them to breakfast with him. And though they are sitting there while the sun is rising, and Jesus gives his disciples rest. Isn't that a beautiful picture? 
Isn't that what we are longing for in our lives? Rest. And here we are. And what we learn here are two principles. The first one is we need time with our Lord. We need time. It's not like we have to seek God to find him. He's there. He's waiting for us to come. He's waiting for us to say, okay, it's a busy time, but now I take half an hour, 50 minutes, whatever of this day, and I sit down, maybe with a cup of coffee you prepared yourself, and then read your Bible and pray. Just have time with your Lord. Our weeks are stressful. Our days are packed with appointments and, and things we have to do, stuff we have to organize. But all, regardless of all of that, we have to spend time with our Savior. And I would urge you, seek communion with your God. Seek communion with your God. Peter couldn't wait to be with him. He even left his friends in the boat to be with Jesus. And we need these times. And the great thing is God gives us this time. He gives us Sundays where we, we can let everything of the week rest and leave it behind us. And we can think about it tomorrow. But today we can come and sit in the service and you can just enjoy the service being preached to, listen to the Word of God, take it in, sing hymns. And there's even a better thing. The liturgy is almost the same every Sunday. You don't have to think about what's coming next, what will happen. You can relax and enjoy being in the presence of the Lord. And there's an interesting thing about Peter. Peter was the one who denied Jesus three times in one night. Jesus told him he will deny him. And Peter in his pride said, Oh, no, no, I will never deny you. I will be with you. Even if it's the way into prison, I will be at your side. And then when he was asked, Aren't you a disciple of him? Jesus, Peter said, No, 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 I don't know this man. I, I, I've never been with him. Peter's sin was drastic. But Peter still wanted to be with Jesus. His sin couldn't hold him back to be with the Lord. And that's an important lesson for us this morning. Don't let your sin hold you back to seek the fellowship and the communion with your Lord. No matter what your sin is, no matter how big it is, no matter how often you committed it, the grace of God is always bigger and more gracious. Seek the Lord, ask for forgiveness, receive forgiveness, and enjoy the fellowship with the triune God. The first thing that John writes when he writes his letters, his epistles, is that he declared to us who Christ is and Christ is there, that we can have fellowship, and the fellowship we have, the communion we have, is with the Father and the Son. That was so precious for John that he wants the churches to know that is what we're longing for. That is what we want you to have, fellowship with the triune God. So that nothing hinder you 
to come to God, to have fellowship with him. If we want to bear fruit in, in, in our Christian life, if we want to, to be faithful and fruitful at the church, then we need to take these times to be with our Lord Jesus Christ, to be in prayer, to be in the Word of God, to be in the worship of our triune God. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this story that you have given us in the Gospel of John, where we learn so much for our daily life. But the most important thing we learn is that we need time with you, time to rest in your presence, time to be refueled in your presence, time to rejoice in your presence, to learn. And Lord, we pray that when we have these times close to you in prayer and in the word that we learn from your word how we ought to live, what we ought to do, and how we can glorify you. And so we pray all this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.